Book Twenty One, Chapter Four of Le Morte d'Arthur, Volume Two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Simon Evers. Le Morte d'Arthur, Volume Two by Sir Thomas Mallory. Book Twenty One, Chapter Four. How, by misadventure of an adder, the battle began, where Mordred was slain, and Arthur hurt to the death. Then were they condescended that King Arthur and Sir Mordred should meet betwixt both their hosts, and every which of them would bring fourteen persons, and they came with this word unto Arthur. Then said he, I am glad that this is done, and so he went into the field. And when Arthur should depart, he warned all his host that an they see any sword drawn, look ye come on fiercely, and slay that traitor Sir Mordred, for I in no wise trust him. In likewise Sir Mordred warned his host that, and ye see any sword drawn, look that ye come on fiercely, and so slay all that ever before you standeth, for in no wise I will not trust for this treaty, for I know well my father will be avenged on me. And so they met as their appointment was, and so they were agreed and accorded thoroughly, and wine was fetched, and they drank. Right soon came an adder out of a little heath-bush, and it stung a knight on the foot. And when the knight felt him stung, he looked down and saw the adder, and then he drew his sword to slay the adder, and thought of none other harm. And when the host on both parties saw that sword drawn, then they blew beams, trumpets, and horns, and shouted grimly. And so both hosts dressed them together. And King Arthur took his horse, and said, Alas, this unhappy day! And so rode to his party, and Sir Mordred in likewise. And never was there seen a more doleful a battle in no Christian land, for there was but rushing and riding, foining and striking, and many a grim word was there spoken either to other, and many a deadly stroke. But ever King Arthur rode throughout the battle of Sir Mordred many times, and did fool nobly as a noble king should, and at all times he fainted never. And Sir Mordred that day put him in devoir, and in great peril. And thus they fought all the day long, and never stinted till the noble knights were laid to the cold earth. And ever they fought still till it was near night, and by that time was there an hundred thousand laid dead upon the down. Then was Arthur would wroth out of measure, when he saw his people so slain from him. Then the king looked about him, and then was he where, of all his host and of all his good knights, were left no more alive but two knights, that one was Sir Lucan the butler, and his brother Sir Bedivere, and they were full sore wounded. Jesu mercy, said the king, where are all my noble knights become? Alas that ever I should see this doleful day, for now, said Arthur, I am come to mine end. But would to God that I wist where were that traitor Sir Mordred that hath caused all this mischief. Then was King Arthur where, where Sir Mordred leaned upon his sword, among a great heap of dead men. Now give me my spear, 
said Arthur unto Sir Lucan, for yonder I have espied the traitor that all this woe hath wrought. Sir, let him be, said Sir Lucan, for he is unhappy, and if ye pass this unhappy day, ye shall be right well revenged upon him. Good Lord, remember ye of your night's dream, and what the spirit of Sir Gawain told you this night. Yet God of his great goodness hath preserved you hitherto. Therefore, for God's sake, my Lord, leave off by this. For blessed be God, ye have won the field. For here we be three alive, and with Sir Mordred is none alive. And if ye leave off now, this wicked day of destiny is past. Tide me death, betide me life, saith the king. Now I see him yonder alone, he shall never escape mine hands, for at a better avail shall I never have him. God speed you well, said Sir Bedivere. Then the king gat his spear in both his hands, and ran towards Sir Mordred, crying, Traitor, now is thy death-day come. And when Sir Mordred heard King Arthur, he ran unto him with his sword drawn in his hand. And there King Arthur smote Sir Mordred under the shield with a foin of his spear throughout the body more than a fathom. And when Sir Mordred felt that he had his death wound, he thrust himself with the might that he had up to the burr of King Arthur's spear. And right so he smote his father Arthur, with his sword holden in both his hands, on the side of the head, that the sword pierced the helmet and the brain-pan. And therewithal Sir Mordred fell stark dead to the earth, and the noble Arthur fell in a swoon to the earth, and there he swooned oft times. And Sir Lucan the butler and Sir Bedivere oft times heaved him up, and so weakly they let him betwixt them both to a little chapel not far from the seaside. And when the king was there, he thought him well eased. Then heard they people cry in the field. Now go thou, Sir Lucan, said the king, and do me to wit what betokes that noise in the field. So Sir Lucan departed, for he was grievously wounded in many places. And so as he yeed, he saw and hearkened by the moonlight, how that pillars and robbers were come into the field to pill and to rob many a fool noble knight of brooches and beads, of many a good ring and of many a rich jewel. And who that were not dead all out, there they slew them for their harness and their riches. When Sir Lucan understood this work, he came to the king as soon as he might, and told him all what he had heard and seen. Therefore by my rede, said Sir Lucan, it is best that we bring you to some town. I would it were so, said the king. Chapter 5 How King Arthur commanded to cast his sword Excalibur it into the water, and how he was delivered to ladies in a barge. But I may not stand, mine head works so. Ah, Sir Lancelot, said King Arthur, this day hath I sore missed thee, Alas, that ever I was against thee, for now have I my death, whereof Sir Gawain warned me in my dream. Then Sir Lucan took up the king the one part, and Sir Bedivere the other part, and in the lifting the king swooned, 
and Sir Lucan fell in a swoon with the lift, that the part of his guts fell out of his body, and therewith the noble knight's heart brast. And when the king awoke he beheld Sir Lucan, how he lay foaming at the mouth, and part of his guts lay at his feet. Alas, said the king, this is to me a full heavy sight, to see this noble duke so die for my sake, for he would have holpen me, that have more need of help than I. Alas, he would not complain him, his heart was so set to help me. Now, Jesu, have mercy upon his soul. Then Sir Bedivere wept for the death of his brother. Leave this morning and weeping, said the king, for all this will not avail me, for wit thou well am I might live myself, the death of Sir Lucan would grieve me evermore. But my time hieth fast, said the king. Therefore, said Arthur unto Sir Bedivere, take thou Excalibur, my good sword, and go with it to yonder waterside, and when thou comest there, I charge thee, throw my sword in that water, and come again, and tell me what thou there seest. My lord, said Bedivere, your commandment shall be done, and lightly bring you word again. So Sir Bedivere departed, and by the way he beheld that noble sword, that the pommel and the haft was all of precious stones. And then he said to himself, If I throw this rich sword in the water, thereof shall never come good, but harm and loss. And then Sir Bedivere hid Excalibur under a tree. And so, as soon as he might, he came again unto the king, and said he had been at the water, and had thrown the sword in the water. "'What saw thou there?' said the king. "'Sir,' he said, "'I saw nothing but waves and winds.' "'That is untruly said of thee,' said the king. "'Therefore go thou lightly again, and do my commandment. "'As thou art to me leaf and dear, spare not, but throw it in.' "'Then Sir Bedivere returned again, and took the sword in his hand,' and then him thought sin and shame to throw away that noble sword. And so eft he hid the sword, and returned again, and told to the king that he had been at the water, and done his commandment. What saw thou there? said the king. Sir, he said, I saw nothing but the water's wap and waves wan. Our traitor untrue, said King Arthur, now hast thou betrayed me twice. Who would have weaned that thou hadst been to me so lief and dear, and thou art named a noble knight, and would betray me for the richness of the sword? But now go again lightly, for thy long tarrying putteth me in great jeopardy in my life, for I have taken cold. And but if thou do now as I bid thee, if ever I may see thee, I shall slay thee with mine own hands, for thou wouldst for my rich sword see me dead. Then Sir Bedivere departed and went to the sword, and lightly took it up, and went to the water-side, and there he bound the girdle about the hilts, and then he threw the sword as far into the water as he might. And there came an arm and an hand above the water, and met it, and caught it, and so shook it thrice, and brandished, and then vanished away the hand with the sword in the water. So Sir Bedivere came again to the king, and told him what he saw. Alas, said the king, 
help me hence, for I dread me I have tarried over long. Then Sir Bedivere took the king upon his back, and so went with him to that water-side. And when they were at the water-side, even fast by the bank hoved a little barge, with many fair ladies in it. Among them all was a queen, and they all had black hoods, and all they wept and shrieked when they saw King Arthur. "'Now put me into the barge,' said the king. And so he did, softly. And there received him three queens with great mourning. And so they set him down, and in one of their laps King Arthur laid his head. And then that queen said, "'Ah, dear brother, why have ye tarried so long from me? Alas, this wound on your head hath caught over much cold.' And so then they rode from the land, and Sir Bedivere beheld all those ladies go from him. Then Sir Bedivere cried, "'Ah, my lord Arthur, what shall become of me now ye go from me, and leave me alone among mine enemies?' "'Comfort thyself,' said the king, "'and do as well as thou mayst. For in me is no trust for to trust in. For I will into the vale of Avilion to heal me of my grievous wound, and if thou hear never more of me, pray for my soul.' But ever the queens and ladies wept and shrieked that it was pity to hear. And as soon as Sir Bedivere had lost the sight of the barge, he wept and wailed, and so took to the forest. And so he went all that night, and in the morning he was ware betwixt two holts hoar, of a chapel and an hermitage. CHAPTER six: How Sir Bedivere found him on the morrow dead in an hermitage, and how he abode there with the hermit. Then was Sir Bedivere glad, and thither he went, and when he came into the chapel he saw where lay an hermit grovelling on all four, there fast by a tomb was new graven. When the hermit saw Sir Bedivere he knew him well, for he was but little to fore Bishop of Canterbury, that Sir Mordred fleamed. Sir, said Bedivere, what man is there interred that ye pray so fast for? Fair son, said the hermit, I wot not verily, but by deeming. But this night at midnight here came a number of ladies, and brought hither a dead corpse, and prayed me to bury him. And here they offered an hundred tapers, and they gave me an hundred bezants. Alas, said Sir Bedivere, that was my lord King Arthur that here lieth buried in this chapel. Then Sir Bedivere swooned. And when he awoke, he prayed the hermit he might abide with him to still there, to live with fasting and prayers. For from hence will I never go, said Sir Bedivere, by my will, but all the days of my life here to pray for my lord Arthur. Ye are welcome to me, said the hermit, for I know ye better than ye ween that I do. Ye are the bold Bedivere, and the fool noble duke, Sir Lucan the butler, was your brother. Then Sir Bedivere told the hermit all, as ye have heard to fore. So there abode Sir Bedivere with the hermit that was to fore Bishop of Canterbury. And there Sir Bedivere put upon him poor clothes, and served the hermit full lowly in fasting and in prayers. Thus, of Arthur, I find never more written in books that be authorised, nor more of the very certainty of his death heard I never read. 
but thus was he led away in a ship wherein were three queens. That one was King Arthur's sister, Queen Morgan le Fay. The other was the Queen of Northgalis. The third was the Queen of the Waste Lands. Also there was Nimue, the chief lady of the lake, that had wedded Pelias, the good knight, and this lady had done much for King Arthur, for she would never suffer Sir Pelias to be in no place where he should be in danger of his life. And so he lived to the uttermost of his days with her in great rest. More of the death of King Arthur could I never find, but that ladies brought him to his burials, and such one was buried there that the hermit bare witness that sometime was Bishop of Canterbury. But yet the hermit knew not in certain that he was verily the body of King Arthur. For this tale, Sir Bedivere, Knight of the Round Table, made it to be written. Chapter 7 Of the Opinion of Some Men of the Death of King Arthur, and How Queen Guinevere Made Her a Nun in Almsbury. Yet some men say in many parts of England that King Arthur is not dead, but had by the will of our Lord Jesus into another place. And men say that he shall come again, and he shall win the Holy Cross. I will not say it should be so, but rather I will say, here in this world he changed his life. But many men say that there is written upon his tomb this verse. Hic jacet artiorus, rex quondam, rexque futurus. Thus leave I here Sir Bedivere with the hermit, that dwelled that time in a chapel beside Glastonbury, and there was his hermitage. And so they lived in their prayers and fastings and great abstinence. And when Queen Guinevere understood that King Arthur was slain, and all the noble knights, Sir Mordred, and all the remnant, then the queen stole away, and five ladies with her, and so she went to Almsbury, and there she let make herself a nun, and wear white clothes and black, and great penance she took as ever did sinful lady in this land, and never creature could make her marry, but lived in fasting, prayers, and alms-deeds, and all manner of people marvelled how virtuously she was changed. Now leave me, Queen Guinevere, in Almsbury, a nun in white clothes and black, and there she was abbess and ruler as reason would. And turn we from her, and speak we of Sir Launcelot de Lake. Chapter 8 How when Sir Launcelot heard of the death of King Arthur, and of Sir Gawain, and other matters, he came into England. And when he heard in his country that Sir Mordred was crowned king in England, and made war against King Arthur, his own father, and would let him to land in his own land, also it was told Sir Launcelot how that Sir Mordred had laid siege about the Tower of London, because the Queen would not wed him. Then was Sir Launcelot wroth out of measure, and said to his kinsman, Alas, that double traitor, Sir Mordred! Now me repenteth that ever he escaped my hands, for much shame hath he done unto my lord Arthur. For all I feel by the doleful letter that my lord Sir Gawain sent me, on whose soul Jesu have mercy that my lord Arthur is full hard bestead. Alas, said Sir Launcelot, that ever I should live to hear that most noble king that made me knight thus to be overset with his subject in his own realm. 
and this doleful letter that my lord Sir Gawain hath sent me afore his death, praying me to see his tomb, which you well his doleful words shall never go from mine heart, for he was a fool, noble knight as ever was born. And in an unhappy hour was I born that ever I should have had that unhap to slay first Sir Gawain, Sir Gaheris the good knight, and mine own friend Sir Gareth, that fool noble knight. Alas! I may say I am unhappy, said Sir Launcelot, that ever I should do thus unhappily, and alas! it might I never have hap to slay that traitor Sir Mordred. Leave your complaints, said Sir Bors, and first revenge you of the death of Sir Gawain, and it will be well done that ye see Sir Gawain's tomb, and secondly that ye revenge my lord Arthur, and my lady Queen Guinevere. I thank you, said Sir Launcelot, for ever ye will be my worship. Then they made them ready in all the haste that might be, with ships and galleys, with Sir Launcelot and his hosts to pass into England. And so he passed over the sea till he came to Dover, and there he landed with seven kings, and the number was hideous to behold. Then Sir Launcelot speared of men of Dover where was King Arthur become. Then the people told him how that he was slain, and Sir Mordred and a hundred thousand died on a day, and how Sir Mordred gave King Arthur there the first battle at his landing, and there was good Sir Gawain slain, and on the morn Sir Mordred fought with the king upon Barham Down, and there the king put Sir Mordred to the worse. Alas, said Sir Launcelot, this is the heaviest tidings that ever came to me. Now, fair sirs, said Sir Launcelot, show me the tomb of Sir Gawain. And then certain people of the town brought him into the castle of Dover, and showed him the tomb. Then Sir Launcelot kneeled down and wept, and prayed heartily for his soul. And that night he made a dole, and all they that would come had as much flesh fish, wine, and ale, and every man and woman had twelve pence come who would. Thus with his own hand dealt he this money in a morning gown, and ever he wept and prayed them to pray for the soul of Sir Gawain. And on the morn all the priests and clerks that might be gotten in the country were there, and sang mass of requiem. And there offered first Sir Launcelot, and he offered an hundred pounds, and then the seven kings offered forty pound apiece, and also there was a thousand knights, and each of them offered a pound. And the offering dured from morn till night, and Sir Launcelot laid two knights on his tomb, in prayers and weeping. Then on the third day Sir Launcelot called the kings, dukes, earls, barons, and knights, and said thus, My fair lords, I thank you, all of you, coming into this country with me, but we came too late, and that shall repent me while I live, but against death may no man rebel. But sithen it is so, said Sir Launcelot, I will myself ride and seek my lady, Queen Guinevere, for as I hear say, she hath had great pain and much disease, and I heard say that she is fled into the west. Therefore ye all shall abide me here, and but if I come again within fifteen days, then take your ships and your fellowship, and depart into your country, for I will do as I say to you. End of chapter 8 
Recording by Simon Evers.